Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. It's been a great morning of worship already. Well, if you didn't know this, you will know uh, soon enough, but your thirst is big business in the United States. If you know this, the the beverage industry, both alcoholic, non-alcoholic, is a $146 billion industry. It's probably any time you watch TV and advertisements, it feels like there is always an advertisement for some type of drink. The bottled water industry in the United States is a $19 billion industry. You can get uh, groundwater, mineral water, artesian water, reverse osmosis water, spring water, sparkling water. You can get sterile water, well water. You can even get tap water if you so desire. You can get any type of water that you can have or, or desire. 1970, there were 16 bottled water companies in the United States. By 2012, it was up to 195, and that number just continues to go up and up, and you might even want to start a water company after hearing this today. Okay, so companies spend millions of dollars, billions to advertise over the years, so I'm going to put up a few of slogans from beverage companies, and we're going to see how good a job they have done, whether or not you can identify it. The first one we have is this, 100% pure squeezed Sunshine. Uh, you got to speak louder. I'm half dead. All right, here, orange juice. It is orange juice, but do you know what specific kind? It is Tropicana. Tropicana. So they've failed miserably, so um, they need a new advertising firm. All right, this next one, drink your vegetables. Okay, I want to ask this question. How many in here currently drink V8 juice? You guys are crazy. Did you know in first service... First service, I I about stopped the sermon right there and just went home. Over 50% of the people in the second and first service drank V8 juice. Like we were going to offer a time of special prayer for people, but there were so many of them, they wouldn't even fit up here. So um, we'll just bless them on their way out. V8 juice, drink your vegetables. That's impressive. They apparently have done a good job. All right, next we have be young, have fun, drink Pepsi. Now, in middle school, I thought I was cool, as most middle schoolers do. You think you're cool when you're in middle school. I remember in every single yearbook I signed that year, I wrote, be young, have fun, drink Pepsi. (laughs) No idea why. My middle school brain thought that was cool, so I did that. So throughout Arkansas, there are currently that uh, slogan written in a lot of people's yearbooks there. Next we have, is it in you? Gatorade. Gatorade had one of my favorite um, slogan content or slogans. They had "Be like Mike." Remember that? Remember that con- or, uh, "Be like Mike." Be like Michael Jordan. And I wanted to be like Michael Jordan in middle school. I drank it, and fortunately, it didn't work for me. Uh, other than we drank Gatorade, which was maybe the point for that. So, be like Mike, or is it in you? And lastly, we have this one: "Obey your thirst." Sprite. Do you know no one in first service got that? I was surprised for it. Obey your thirst, Sprite. What a slogan. Here's what all the beverage companies knows. Every single day, you are going to be thirsty. 
thirst is just a part of our life. It's a part of our experience. We have to have water. We have to have uh, a drink in order to survive. So the business is make it look like their product is what you need to satisfy your thirst. Well, today we're going to look at Jesus who on the cross experienced a deep thirst as well as we continue on the sayings of Jesus. We're going to go in John 19, verse 28 through 29. It says, Later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. So the cross is a period of over several hours, but now we transition these last three weeks into the phrases that happen really in the last moment of Jesus' life. So they're a quick, rapid succession. And so it is, we have these phrase, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Seems a pretty simple phrase, a pretty straightforward phrase, but there's a couple phrases that we want to look at before that. The first one that says there, knowing that everything had now been finished. So Jesus knows that the moment has arrived. The moment foretold by the prophets, the moment before the foundation of the world that God had planned for the salvation of humanity, that moment has now arrived. It's been completed. And I admire this about Jesus because Jesus knew the time and the moment he lived in. He knew that it had come and he knew it was time to transition and to let it go and to die. Jesus didn't let the pain and suffering he was going through, he didn't let the rejection he was going through, the unsupportive people around him, the desertion of his closest allies keep him from losing sight of the moment that was being fulfilled around him. Earlier in the text, and other gospels mentioned that Jesus was offered a drink that was mixed with a, in essence, a painkiller. So that would numbed his pain, numbed his senses some, but Jesus refused to drink that one. Jesus knew his purpose, and there was nothing going to get in the way, even if it meant feeling less, in order to keep him from accomplishing why God had put him, uh, why he had come to this earth. And Jesus shows great grace in this moment of transition, and transition moments in our life can be very difficult. Jesus just doesn't try to hold on for the hold on sake. Think about this. Everything that had been in the lead up from the breaking of the bread to the water and to the wine to the calling of the disciples to the preaching the sermons to healing the sick, raising the dead. This had all been in the lead up to this moment and that job had been finished and Jesus realizes and he releases himself to death and to God. Transitions are very hard for us, aren't they? Sometimes in seasons, I want to hang on to the past season. I don't want to let go of the past. My identity is too wrapped up in that job title. My identity is too wrapped up in that relationship. My identity is so wrapped up about this thing that I don't want to let that go because I don't know who I am after the transition. But in Jesus realizes that God is the one who is calling him that has completed this moment and he lets himself go and he teaches us that as well. Friends, there are times and seasons, there are little deaths that we all experience in life. 
that prepare us for our death that leads to eternal life. We talked in first service about there can be a time when we need help and we have to move into assisted living, a time to say goodbye to your house. I did put this caveat on there because I didn't want that first service to get mad at me. That for the parents, many times it's, no, I'm still okay to stay in the house and the kids hearing are probably saying it's time for you to go into assisted living, but they were gonna work that one out over lunch. But there's times, maybe in this service, we could say a time when we say goodbye to our kids and we suddenly become empty nesters. That can be a hard transition, right? That time of so much of our identity was in preparing these kids to become adults, and if you did your job, they're now adults, and now what do I do? For this service, we could say there's some parents probably telling the kids it's probably time to get out, and then vice versa. You guys can work that one out over lunch. There's a time that we ride in a car. There's a time we get our driver's license. There's a time we give our keys up. There are transitions throughout life. And if we are so content holding on to what was that we don't let go to what is ahead, there's a deep element of trust here that Jesus recognizes his time and his moment, and he lives with an empty hand before God. It's completed. I can now let go into the next phase, even if that meant death the text goes on in verse 28 it says later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled jesus said i am thirsty the second phrase we see there is so that scripture would be fulfilled we have a wednesday night group that meets at 6 30 you all are welcome as always to join us we meet in the new adult sunday school space near the um, westport parking lot uh, this week, the team that just returned back from Haiti, it's good to see you guys back in the back. Uh, God did some great things uh, through Charlie and through Gary. They're going to be sharing about their time in Haiti this Wednesday night at 6.30. But at the Wednesday night group at 6.30, I told them this last week, I need help. Because I asked Chip, I said, Chip, have you ever preached a sermon on I thirst? He said, I don't think so. I said, Chip, there's only two words. Like, this is a hard thing to preach a sermon on. It's hard to figure out what's in this. And so I went to this group. And their comment was, well, there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. So, you know, just <laughs> keep it short. If you don't find anything, you just go on your way and we'll all be happy. But I asked this question to the group. It was this. Did Jesus know that he needed to ask for a drink because he knew the scriptures? Or was it because Jesus is the word of God that Jesus was just himself and scriptures were fulfilled? because that's who he was. So did Jesus know the scriptures, study the scriptures, he knew that he needed to ask for a drink because of his study, or was it because he is the word of God and what Jesus did was scripture being fulfilled because he is the word of God? Well, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg question about which one came first or not, but regardless, we see through this of Jesus' awareness that Jesus fulfills scripture. And in Psalm chapter 69, we see uh, how Jesus references here uh, the, the scriptures from the past. But Jesus lives a life that is oriented to God. So his life is oriented to God. Orient like a compass, pointing us to our north, pointing us to God. And we are called to position ourselves so that our lives reflect and always point to Jesus 
Not just on Sunday mornings. The Christian faith is not just when we're gathered together, but in all of our lives, in our spiritual practices, in the way we think, in the way that we do business, in the way that we have relationships, our life are to orient or point to God. We know this from Scripture that Jesus knew the Scripture. We know this from his prayer life in the garden that Jesus' desire was to fulfill Scripture and to please God, and this is our call as well. There is an internet sensation on Instagram, and his, he is Keys the Cat. Keys is a cat uh, that you can follow these days. There's something strange about Keys. You can see it through these pictures. Keys does something, and nobody knows why. But Keys orients his life with his paws up in the air. Doesn't matter where he is, what he's doing. He could be inside. He could be outside. He could be on the couch. He could be uh, nestled up with his owner, and there you will find Keys with his hands oriented toward the sky. So you can now follow him on Instagram and see that and watch Keys do that. Well, that looks a little odd, doesn't it? We know a lot about cats. We know that cats want to kill us, and we know that there's a lot of things about cats. But we know about this cat that it looks a little strange and a little different. Keys' orientation in this life is he wants to have his paws up in the sky. And when we see it, we think that's strange. You know, I think there's something strange too of an individual who lives their life oriented to God, whose posture is in prayer, whose, whose, whose heart is directed toward following Jesus in this life no matter what. It just looks a little different. You meet the great saints of the church who, who have a heart that the world may not know their name, but who devote themselves to prayer and to following teaching, and they're interceding on behalf of the people in the church. It just looks different, and it just looks special. We see that with Jesus in his death on the cross. It just looks different. We go back again to verse 28. We'll read it again. Later knowing that Everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So we come here to this phrase that Jesus says on the cross, I am thirsty. Jesus talks on many different levels in scripture. And it feels like many times when Jesus talks about something like food or water, he'll be talking at one level, and the disciples will be at another level, and it just feels like they are struggling to communicate. In fact, in John 4, Jesus was hungry, so the disciples go out to get food, and when they come back, Jesus here is ministering to people, and he says, I have food that you don't know of. And the disciples are confused, like, did someone run to the convenience store? Like, how did Jesus get food? That was our job, what we were going to do. And he says... My food is to do the will of my Father, physical, spiritual, and they kind of always seem to cross and to pass. But here on the cross, it feels like Jesus is speaking very deeply about physical thirst. We see that Jesus experienced deep physical thirst on the cross. We see this allusion in Psalm 69, verse 20 and 21, where the psalmist said, Scorn has broken my heart and it's left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none for comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. The depth of Jesus' thirst on the cross. I'm struck by this too from the Gospel of John. In two instances earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus says this, 
that if you come and drink his life-giving water, you will never thirst again. The woman at the well, when the woman comes to him at noon, and Jesus asks her for a drink, and he says to her, if you knew the one who was asking, you would ask me for a drink, and you would never thirst again. And she says, sir, give me some of this water so I won't have to come back to this well again. Jesus here is offering life-giving eternal water or in John 7 at the festival it says on the last and greatest day of the festival Jesus stood and said in a loud voice let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them and on the cross we see the one who says come and never thirst again is thirsty he's thirsty physically he is thirsty deeply after his experience of the cross. And I wonder for those who were there on that day who had heard Jesus' words about never thirsting again and seeing him die in thirst, it begs the question, did Jesus fail? Was Jesus just one who had high ideals and aspirations? Come drink this life-giving water, but sadly he dies like everyone else. Sadly he dies a thirsty man like everyone else. Did Jesus fail? This is the tension of the crucifixion. And many times we like to just skip by and move to Easter. Jesus on the cross speaks to our lives too. Because friends, we too experience thirst in our life. It could be physical, can represent longing. We want both what we want. We want both what we need. What do we do when we're thirsty? Because we have this tension of Jesus who offers life-giving water who is also thirsty. And I think as we look at the world around us and we ask that question, did Jesus fail? Where it feels like evil triumphs over good. Even this morning, we got the text that my brother-in-law, who's a, a police officer in, in, in Illinois, had been shot, and he's in his second surgery right now, and he's expected to recover. But does evil triumph over good? Because it sure feels like as we look around us, we live in a thirsty place and in a thirsty world, and we see this Jesus who offered life-giving water die a thirsty death I think even of Bono's words that you too I still haven't found what I'm looking for you took the cross and carried my shame you know I believe it but I still haven't found what I'm looking for so we are a people of deep thirst of deep longing but the truth is is that our savior knows that deep thirst he knows what it's like to die. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what it's like to live in a broken world that just doesn't make sense. To cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows and he understands. And the truth is he experienced humanity's thirst at its deepest so he could provide and give the life-giving water that will come through the Spirit after Easter. 
So Sprite says to obey your thirst, do what your thirst says. But we see a Jesus who crucifies his own physical pleasure, his own physical desire to follow after God. So we peel back the curtain to Revelation 21.6. I want you to hear the words of this same Jesus who was thirsty on the cross. He says this at the end of time. He said to me, it is done. And we'll hear a similar phrase on the cross in just a few weeks. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This Savior who gives his water to us both freely knows and experiences our deep, deep thirst. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, I thank you that you are more than enough. And Lord, so many times we don't like to admit we're thirsty or we just try to fulfill our thirst with that which won't satisfy But we look to you on the cross today. We hear your words that I am thirsty. And Lord, today I ask that you would call us and draw us to drink deeply of your life-giving water. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Bible study after it was over, uh, Jay Carn said to me, he said, you know, Josh, I think Jesus is still thirsty. I said, how so? He said, I think he's thirsty for people to taste of his life-giving water, that longing for people to experience that. Friends, if you've never given your life to Jesus, confessed him as your Lord and Savior, and followed him to taste deeply of his life-giving water, there's nothing more that Jesus would like to give to you. It's why he died on the cross, is so that you can experience. I'd love to have the chance to meet you up front to pray with you. Or perhaps you feel like God is calling you to join this church, we'd welcome you up front as well. If you're new as well, in the back of your uh, chair or connection cards, you can fill that out. Uh, You can hand that to me out in the rotunda. Make this your place. Make this your space. Make this an altar where you can pray and experience God providing and giving you the water that is himself as we stand together and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.